your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome in to Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, October 26, 2021. Your boy Q here with you. You can always hit me up on the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Calls or texts are always good. And then Twitter, at your boy Q254. Many of you reach out to me by way of Twitter, and I do appreciate that. Try to get back to as many people as possible. Uh, very excited about today's episode. Very excited about all week's episodes because we have a lot of time to talk about a lot of different subjects. There is no game to preview as the Raiders are on their bye. So week eight, we'll have no game for the Raiders. They'll be back in New York week nine, taking on the G-Men. So uh, we got a lot to get to on today's show. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. First off, let me thank you for making the Lockdown Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, the Lockdown Raiders podcast is free and available on all platforms. Coming up on today's show, segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Lots of calls, lots of texts to try to get to, so I'm going to try to hustle through as many as possible. Now, segment number two, I mentioned I have a lot of different subjects that I want to talk about. I got a lot written down, uh, both at the radio station and at my house, for different subjects I want to talk about this week because, again, there is no game preview, so there is no crossover edition. There is nothing like that. There is, you know, just a lot of time for conversation and reflecting back on what we've seen so far as the Raiders are five and two on the season. But I got a really good tweet from Junior and he reaches out to me quite a bit at your boy Q254 and asks me questions. So he's asking about what qualifies Rich Basaccia to be the full-time head coach, not the interim head coach, but the full-time head coach. And I'll explain where this question came from. You'll hear some audio from David Carr. I'll read the question from Junior and then I'll break that down. Uh, this is coming up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, just news in the notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Off top, the Raiders made some roster moves on Monday. Uh, they signed free agent tight end Daniel Helm. He originally was in the league as an undrafted free agent with the Chargers in 2019. Then he played with the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Buccaneers. He's six foot four, 225 pounds. Has played in five games, all with the 49ers. Also, the team put uh, they signed offensive lineman Heronis Grasu, and I'm sure I'm getting his name wrong, and I apologize, but they signed him to the practice squad, and then they play safety HaHa Clinton Dix on the COVID-19 reserve list. So uh, HaHa Clinton Dix has been on the squad for a little while now, uh, hasn't done anything. He did get elevated to the game day roster a few games ago, but hasn't got into any game action yet, and well, now he's on the COVID-19 reserve list, so you know he won't be playing uh, at all anytime soon. Well, I mean, he could be cleared before the the Giants game, but don't think he's going to be playing anytime soon anyway. He's just not that same guy that he was, you know, back when he was with the Packers coming out of Alabama. So those are the roster updates that the Raiders made as of Monday. I did find this tweet about the Eagles defense pretty interesting and really probably be the last day that we talk about the Eagles. We'll start to turn the page from that victory, that 33-22 victory over Philadelphia on Sunday. And this tweet here comes from Benjamin Solak. Uh, He's part of the Draft Network. I've had him on the show many times. Uh, He's a good football mind, so he tweeted out and said, I watched the Eagles defense against the Raiders. Honestly, not as painful as I expected. The simple reality is that the Eagles linebackers and each Eagles safety, excluding McLeod, is borderline unplayable in any scheme. Davion Taylor particularly couldn't find a good play all game. The scheme is bad. Good quarterbacks are going to be able to dice zones up until the cows come home. 
Putting that much onus on your defensive line to win while also making them play slower is a bad model. With that being said, the scheme could work if they had one zone cover linebacker. Again, that's Benjamin Solak on Twitter from the Draft Network, and that's really what I was talking about when I was saying how the Eagles linebackers were very suspect and that the Raiders should be able to attack them, and that's exactly what Derek Carr did. And as you heard him say, ben Benjamin Solak say, uh, any good quarterback's going to be able to dice up that zone. And it's funny because as I was reading that tweet, all I could think about is Paul Gunther and his scheme and how – quarterbacks were able to just dissect the defense and particularly go after the linebackers. So uh, not that I feel sorry for the Eagles, but I understand exactly what they're going through because Raider Nation, all of us have seen that kind of defense and that kind of defense get carved up by opposing quarterbacks and uh, playmakers on the team. So uh, it's nice to see the Raiders on the right side of a bad defense. And that's for the other team, not the silver and black. Next up, I wanted you to hear from uh, interim head coach Rich Bisaccia. He had a media session on Monday. This will be the only media session all week long for players or head coach or any coaches uh, as the team is on a bye. So everyone's going to be off as far as like availability. So this is the only time you'll hear from the coaching staff all week long. So off top, Rich Bisaccia, and I think he does a really good job with this, with the opening statement. He comes in with a prepared statement, like he has a big notebook, and he has all his little notes, and he kind of goes through the whole ebbs and flows of the game. And so I kind of like how he breaks this down. So here's Rich Bisaccia, his opening statement. All right, I'll just um, give you a few notes, and maybe that'll help as we get going into the questions. Just first of all, for us, um, it all starts with the ball. You know, we ended up plus one in the turnover margin. Um, certainly overcame the interception, which Derek rarely throws, and and uh, and then we had the two on defense. Certainly, one critical one in the red zone uh, gave us a chance to stop them from getting any points. And then right before the half, got the ball to plus thirty, gave us a chance to get points again before the half. Two weeks in a row, um, explosive plays on offense started with Zay Jones on the sideline. Obviously, the big catch that Foster had um, for the touchdown going in there, and then the combination of. Josh and Kenyon getting going as a one-two punch uh, we thought was really effective for us in the game. They were supposed to play that was big in the fourth quarter. The 29-yard play to Alec Ingold kind of got us out of the – backed up a little bit and gave us a really good field position to kind of finish out the fourth quarter. Um, the offensive line protecting Derek, no sacks, 31 of 34. Um, and then also the offensive line allowing us to get the run game going with some – uh, efficiency we thought was helpful for us in the game. And then towards the end on offense, how Derek and, and uh, Coach Olson managed the clock um, in the fourth quarter was, you know, was really beneficial to us. Preventing explosive plays on defense. Um, again, I talked about the two critical turnovers, what they gave us there. And then pressure on the quarterback all day started with Unique and certainly the rest of the front seven guys, the way that Max keeps coming. I think there was uh, maybe double-digit hits on the quarterback. And that was the guy we knew, you know, we had to keep in the well, try to keep in the pocket. He's an effective player, extends third down, extends plays all the time. I think Yannick ended up with two sacks, two PBUs. He was hard to block all day. Um, and I thought we really tackled well in space. Coach Bradley thought that was going to be a big concern coming in. So our defensive backs did a heck of a job with that, as well as our linebackers. Um, we gave up the drive, you know, to start the game. It wasn't a very good kickoff. We didn't get the depth that we wanted on the kick, and I thought we gave them field position uh, that was really uncomfortable for us. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about and, and work at over time, you know, how we can get better on that first drive. So, but other than that, we're favorable field position a little bit. Certainly from our defense from the turnovers was big. And then the you know, explosive play, Alec Ingold starting the second half with the getting up the hot kick and now putting the ball at the 50 again. 
as we got going, the rest of the formula for us is getting into the fourth quarter, having a chance to win the fourth quarter. We traded touchdowns for field goals a little bit, but we were playing from ahead. thought our defense did a good job, again, of tackling in space, making them use their timeouts. And then the big field goal uh, by Daniel after we missed the PAT, um, it puts us back up three scores. It was big in the fourth quarter for us. And then um, Foster going out there, we did not get the onside kick a week ago. Foster went out there and got the onside kick this week. Again, we chewed a lot of clock, punted the ball down to the eight. And I think there was two minutes, six seconds to go um, when we put the defense back out there from the eight-yard line. And then that's when you saw the rushing cover uh, connect. And then Yannick getting a big sack at the end and, and um, closing it out for us. Uh, field possession-wise, position-wise for us in the game. The turnovers were critical, as I've alluded to earlier. And then the big punt return after they got the penalties, got backed up a little bit. Um, they had the punt, and Hunter gets a 15-yard punt return to the 50. We turned that into points as well. Really well done on field position. I talked about Alec, the play to start the second half, which, again, second half drive, two weeks in a row, ends up in points. And then, you know, certainly the, uh, the one bad field position we had with the ball being – fair caught on the four-yard line, you know, that's a six-minute, 96-yard drive, took up 10 plays. Um, certainly was big for us in the game for our offense to be able to do that. Um, and then we had no pre-snap penalties for the first time in a long time in the game. That was good for us. We need to clean up some of those judgment penalties. They're a little bit aggressive on our part. I think we can do a good job of cleaning those up. And uh, I'll answer any questions that you may have. So there you go. Full breakdown right there of the game. Everything that Rich Bisaccia saw, everything that he saw when he went back and looked at the film. I love the way that he breaks all that down. So uh, just got a couple sound bites that I want you to hear from him. And one is about the health status of Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, John Simpson. Where does he feel that those guys are as of right now? Um, right now, uh, Josh Jacobs ended up with a chest contusion, so um, he should be fine. We didn't think there was any issues with him today. He had a good workout today. Darren Wallace is going to kind of be day-to-day with treatment. Um, other than that, there is no break or anything that we know of there. He's going to stay around all week and get treatment. And then um, John right now, we're still in evaluation process with him, but he was walking around okay. Um, we'll see how the next few days goes. He's going to stay here as well and get treatment this week. Good news on Josh Jacobs. Sounds like he's going to be fine. Darren Waller, I, I feel like he's going to be fine, but the only thing that kind of caught my attention is when he said, well, there's no break there, we don't think. So that was the only thing that really caught my attention. Uh, yes, Foster Moreau did a really good job on Sunday filling in for him, but I don't think that he he is, you know, the answer full-time for, for Darren Waller. I mean, I, I do think he's a really good player, and I think he could be a big-time weapon, but I think for this Raiders offense to really take off and really blow up week after week, Darren Waller's got to be out there. you got to see number 83 out there. So uh, continue to monitor that. It's good to know that he's going to be around the facility and getting treatment on that, uh, that ankle, and hopefully you'll see him out there on uh, that Sunday when they play the Giants in Week 9. So sticking with the injury theme, how about the IR guys? Incognito, Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett. A lot of folks have hit me up and asked me about those guys. Are they coming back anytime soon? Well, here's an update or somewhat of an update from Rich Masaccia. The only thing I could say is we're shooting, you know, for past the bye week. I don't think it'll be the game after the bye week. They're all on a little bit different schedule. So, um, but I think there, there is progress being made by all. And we'll, we'll see how that goes over the next, you know, three to five weeks. We'll see how it goes the next three to five weeks. So don't expect to see Richie Incognito, Trayvon Mullen, or Damon Arnett. Don't expect to see them anytime soon. Richie Incognito, I've been saying for quite a while, I'd be surprised to see him at all this season. Trayvon Mullen would be nice to get him back, even though Brandon Faison's done a really good job filling in for him. And Damon Arnett, well, I mean, Damon Arnett is Damon Arnett. He didn't get a lot of burn and wasn't getting a lot of burn leading up to the injury anyway. But uh, Incognito, it would be nice to see him. 
I just I'll believe it when I see it. So uh, again, the IR guys don't expect to see them back anytime soon. And the final soundbite I want you to hear has to do with uh, Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby. I actually asked this question because Unique Ngakwe, and I played the soundbite on Monday's show. Unique Ngakwe said how much Max. Uh, pushes him and how much he pushes Max in practice and how they're so good for each other. So I asked Rich Passaccia straight up about those two and how he sees them pushing each other and helping really lead this defensive unit uh, on the field in practice and in games. Yeah, I mean, it's again, they're, they're the crown of group leaders on, on defense. They're, it's a constant competition as to who gets their first in practice, who's first in line, um, what does their individual drill look like, what does their bag drill look like. It's nonstop from those two. And they are certainly the power of example, you know, of what it's supposed to look like. So they're defensive leaders for us, not only by the things that they say and the conversations they have with the other men on defense, but the way in which they carry themselves throughout the building, the time they come in, the time they spend, the time they leave, and then the way in which they attack practice. So it's been impressive. We hope that it continues. And each day, a couple guys are starting to do some of the things they're doing. And, you know, you can see the relationship not only do they have with the other players on defense, look what Yannick's, look what, um, Q's doing in there, Quentin is doing, and look what Solomon's doing in there. And then Klee's getting better. He had a big rush in the fourth quarter. So it's, it's contagious right now. Their attitudes are contagious. That's the kind of leadership I like to hear. Their attitudes are contagious. The way they're going out there and working, it's making everyone else want to work really hard. And that happens. How many times have you been around someone, you see them doing something, you're like, man, I better step my game up. I better get on this person's level. That's what Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby are doing to the rest of the players on that defensive side of the ball, especially the defensive line. They're just really elevating everyone's game. And so I mentioned it a few times, I think, last week, uh, even even coming out of that uh, Broncos game, that Max Crosby's having a really good season. Unique Ngakwe's helping them get there. Ngakwe's having a good season. Now he has four sacks. Crosby has five. Max Crosby's helping him. I mean, it's just it's really a good thing to see, and it's been a long time since you could say that about a Raiders defense, that they're really complimenting each other. Even when the Raiders had Khalil Mack, remember they went out and got Bruce Irvin. It was supposed to be that great one-two punch. That wasn't even that great of a one-two punch, in my opinion. I think this Crosby and Ngakwe punch, this one-two combination of these two guys, is really a lot better than uh, we've seen from the Raiders' defensive line in a very, very long time. So that's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about what qualifies Rich Basaccia to be the full-time head coach. Not the interim head coach, but the full-time head coach. I'll explain where this came from, why it came about. We'll do that in segment number two. Before we get to that, though, I do want to tell you about my good friends at GetUpside, and you're wondering, what's GetUpside? Well, it's an incredible app. Anyone who buys gas needs to know about it. All listeners of the Lockdown Raider podcast making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every single time they fill up. All you got to do is download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. If you use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, you'll get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents per gallon cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. Again, download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. Do it today. Promo code TOUCHDOWN, the GetUpside app. Get it in your Apple Store or Google Play right now. Segment number two is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about a conversation that I think is way too early to have right now. But 
I got asked a question, and it was a legit question, and for a legit reason, and really wasn't even brought up by my guy, Junior. He hit me up on Twitter, it's Junior at it's Junior underscore 07, and he asked me a lot of questions or hit me with a lot of comments throughout the course of the day sometimes or talk about the game or whatever. It's usually really good stuff, so I always appreciate I always appreciate when everyone reaches out, but I really appreciate him because he's really locked in on you know with the conversation about the team and really is always just asking general, good, smart, fun football questions, you know, and sometimes we'll throw something out there and and just want to pick my brain a little bit. And so this was not even really his fault. This is really because of something that David Carr said, uh, Derek Carr's brother on NFL Network. Now, first of all, the tweet from Junior says, hey, Q, I know this is way, way early to have this conversation, but real quick, I want to ask what you would say qualifies Rich to be the head coach of this franchise. All the talent, if they make a mistake, they could set this team back. Not saying he will, Heck, he might be the best thing to happen to this team. But personally, I feel like we need to see a lot more than just two wins. We need to see how this team responds to a big loss and how they rally behind him then. Your thoughts. Again, that's from Junior. It's Junior on Twitter, at it's Junior underscore 07. And the reason he's asking this is because of the audio that he sent along with this. And it's from David Carr. And I saw something on Twitter about it, but I really didn't deep dive into it because I just kind of, I like David Carr. I like him on NFL Network, but I understand that whenever he talks, it's it's a purpose. He, he's saying something for a reason, and it's usually slanted towards his brother Derek, obviously. So here's the audio from David Carr on NFL Network talking about what's the difference in this Raiders offense and then what he leads into about Rich Passaccia. Here it is. Check it out. David, what's different about the Raiders offense without John Gruden? Look, it's still John Gruden's offense, Mooch. You know this. That thing doesn't just go away, especially in the middle of the season. But what it can be is streamlined, and that's what they have done. And that's why I love what Greg Olson has done. He's allowed those guys to play faster. And in his words, he puts his best players on the field, and he asks them to play as fast as they can. He gives Derek's the keys, just like he's had in the past, to get into plays that he needs to get into. But the packages are simpler. The guys can play faster. You can have the opportunity opportunity when Darren Waller, who, you know, just for me, in the past couple years, if Waller would have left in Gruden's playbook system, it would have been a hard a hard fix. But now they just insert Foster Moreau. He goes and executes the game plan. Derek makes big throws and trusts his guys. You throw balls like this up, th- third and 15, Zay Jones, make a play. And I think it simplified everything. Guys are playing loose, more relaxed. And for me, I'll save you a lot of time, Raiders. You don't have to go anywhere looking for a, co- a coach at the end of this thing. Rich Passaccia, oh. let Mike Mayock do his thing. Wow. Derek can run the offense. A big statement. And on the defensive side, Gus Bradley's there. You're good. Go play football. So there you go. There's the sound from David Carr on NFL Network. You heard MJ Acosta start things off. Uh, Steve Mariucci was there. Willie McGinnis. You heard Willie McGinnis say, whoa, big statement when he said that, hey, Raiders, you already found your coach. Rich Passaccia is your guy. And Junior's right. It's way too early after two games to say, oh, yeah, no doubt about it. That's going to be the full-time head coach. Look, you've got to see exactly what this man could do, how this team is going to respond each and every week. I mean, yes, they've responded the first two weeks with him with W's, and that's great. Now they're going into the bye. How do they come out of the bye? How do they travel to the East Coast and have an early kickoff? I mean, there's a lot of different things. How does he navigate in crunch time? Because he's had two games that haven't been, you know, ones where you have to make the, the right call for timeouts and clock management. And, you know, like even in Denver, he challenged that one play where he really didn't have, I mean, that was a bad challenge, but he just said, hey, he just did it to, to try it out. So that's fine. I mean, that was, it was no, no harm, no foul in that one. But, you know, in certain critical games, if you try to challenge it and you lose, you lose a timeout. And then if you lose a couple of those, then you don't have any uh, challenges left and you might need it later on. So there's a lot of game time situation that we have not seen as fans. We have not seen from Rich Basaccia have to 
go through and navigate. And, of course, he leans heavily on his, his assistants, and that's fine. You know, Greg Olson has a big say. Uh, obviously, Gus Bradley has a big say. Ron Miles, he talked about him on Monday in the media session that Ron Miles is a guy he leans on quite a, a bit as well. And, you know, so there's, but there's just so many questions that it would be way too early just to say that. Now, let me explain something. When David Carr says, oh, yeah, just let Derek run the offense and, you know, you got your assistants already and just basically keep it status quo and just roll on, he's saying that because that's what Derek Carr is comfortable with. Derek Carr is comfortable with running the offense. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but you never know. And it would just be silly to go and say after a couple games that, hey, I think this is our guy. If you're the Raiders and you're trying to be responsible about this, regardless, I don't care what happens at the end of the season. I really don't. Outside of winning a Super Bowl, I don't care what happens. You have to go through a full-blown coaching search. You really do because you have to think about the long-term success of this team. You have to figure out how you're going to set up this team for success for not just this year, next year, but years to come. You're in a brand new market. You got a brand new stadium. You want to pack that house out with Raider fans. How do you do that? Just win, baby. You just got to keep on winning. So is Rich Passaccia a long-term answer? Maybe. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a really good interim head coach. Maybe he's going to run the table this uh, the rest of this season and, and get them into the playoffs and make a deep run. And then you go and readdress it. But as a responsible team, I think you have to make sure you don't leave any stone uncovered. You just can't. You, you don't know who's out there available. I'm sure you have a short list of people that you might want to talk to right now. But you, if you're Mike Mayock, if you're even Mark Davis, you know, if you're some of those people in that front office, you've got to start looking around at, hey, you know, this guy is, you know, on the come up. This guy could be a, a really good uh, person for our franchise. Man, this guy might be able to take uh, our team to the next level. You've got to do that responsibly. Again, if he goes and wins the Super Bowl, it would be hard to say, no, he's not going to be the, the head coach. But it also, if you look at it, the history of interim head coaches, even when they go on really good runs and get given the, you know, the title, a lot of times that doesn't even work out afterwards. The next season, sometimes it doesn't work out. A lot of times it doesn't work out. You know, it's a, it's a nice spark. Sometimes a team needs a nice spark, a little shot in the arm of energy, and then boom, they go. But maybe that's not the, the, the full-time answer. Again, I'm not saying Basaccia is not. I like him a lot. I've said it multiple times. I really do like Rich Basaccia. But I also just want to see how everything shakes out. Then if you're the front office, if you're Mark Davis, you got to try to figure out, am I bringing back Mike Mayock? You know, I think that it would be great to keep Gus Bradley around. But you know with a new coaching search, there could be a whole lot of changes. You know what I mean? There, there could be a big blow up. And it could be detrimental to the team. It really could. Like Gus Bradley, I would love to see him be the defensive coordinator for years to come. I think he's figured it out. But you just never know. Again, this team has got to find the long-term success, not just the, the quick shot in the arm. They've got to be able to find the long-term success. Um, you know, who knows? Derek Carr at the end of the season might say, you know what? I love being a member of the Raiders. I, I love what I've done here. Uh, it's been a, a long time. I've been on this team ever since uh, I was drafted. But now I want to go somewhere and have a chance to win. You know, you never know. I'm not saying he's going to. I know that he has said that he wants to be a Raider for life. That's the only team he ever wants to play for. But sometimes things change. Sometimes priorities change. Sometimes, you know, he might look back and say, hey, I've gone through how many head coaches? How many offensive coordinators? How many schemes? How many players? Yeah, maybe I, you know, want to pull a Matt Stafford and, and, and mutually agree to part ways and get traded somewhere else. You just never know what's going on in anybody's mind. And I'm not saying that that's happening with Derek Carr. I'm just saying it's a possibility. And you'd be foolish to think that it's not. Everything should be a, per, a possibility as far as this goes because you've just never seen something like this. This has been a weird, crazy start to the season, and now, I mean, you're not even in the middle of the season yet. You're only seven games in, but here you are. 
You're looking like you're in good position. You're five and two. You know, you're number two in the AFC right now. You have a great possibility to go on a deep run and make the playoffs. But right now, all that you're guaranteed if you're in the silver and black is 10 more games. So all Rich Basaccia is guaranteed as the head coach is 10 more games. And then after that, all bets are off. So, uh, yeah, it's way too early. Again, I think David Carr is saying that because he would like to have someone just go and say, okay, Basaccia, you're the head coach. And then Basaccia turned because he really respects Derek Carr and believes in his ability, which he should because he's a starting quarterback, and say, okay, look, the offense, as you and Ole, you guys go ahead and take care of that. And I'll say, Carr has more input now. You know, Greg Olson himself said it, that, hey, Derek Carr has, you know, he has uh, more options to kind of say, yeah, I like that, or no, I don't like that. He has more input than he did with John Gruden. So, yeah, I know that David Carr would love for Derek to get that kind of reassurance and then maybe have an offseason where they don't have to talk about, well, Derek Carr is on his way out of there, something that we talk about every offseason. Now, we didn't do that here on the podcast. Remember at the beginning of the uh, offseason, I said, that's not going to be our conversation. That's low-hanging fruit. We're not going to have that conversation. There's way more to talk about with this organization than the quarterback because the quarterback's not the problem. And, well, the quarterbacks are going out there balling, and what we talked about the majority of the offseason, the defense, they're playing some damn good ball as well. So, Junior, to answer your question, I guess, um, I, I would say that it really doesn't matter outside of winning a Super Bowl what Rich Basaccia does. It's responsible for the organization to do a complete search, interview multiple head coach candidates that have real deal chances to actually get the job, not just guys that you're interviewing for the Rooney Rule or you're interviewing for, you know, just for the sake of doing it. I mean, guys that you believe could go and lead that organization. You've got to, in my opinion, You've got to just go ahead and, and do your due diligence on everyone who's out there available. Young guys, older guys, college guys, I don't care. Just anyone that you think has an opportunity to really take this team and run with them and have some continuity and consistency for some years to come, that is the responsibility of whoever is going to be in charge of this organization. If it's Mike Mayock, then it's Mike Mayock. If it's others, then it's other. I mean, it's, it's really – that simple. So hopefully that helps answer your question. I guess the short answer would have been, yes, it's way too early after two games to say that he could be the full-time head coach. But hopefully that answers your question. I tried to be as thorough and go over as many different topics as possible or different elements that go into this conversation. But uh, again, I'm just kind of living in the moment like Rich Basaccia is doing, something he's been saying multiple times you know, to the media. Hey, I'm just living in the moment. I'm not trying to worry about uh, last year. I'm not trying to worry about five games from now. I'm worried about this game and this game only and then next week I'll worry about next week only and then that's just how he's taking it one game at a time and that in my opinion is the best way to do it so that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast kind of conversation about what qualifies Rich Basaccia to be the full-time head coach not the interim but the full-time would love to hear from you 707-654-4693 maybe you don't agree with me and that's fine I'd love to hear from you. Calls, texts, that's all good. Locked on Raider Podcast voicemail line. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts. I got them up coming up for you. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about a couple of great sponsors, including betonline.ag. They're back. They're better than ever. They got a new web interface. They've got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Betonline.ag remains your number one spot for all things football, pro, and college, and, of course, basketball. Now that that's back, uh, head on over to the website right now on your laptop or your desktop and sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on on your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code locked on to receive that bonus. Again, that's promo code locked on. You put in 500, you're going to get 250 on top of that just for using the promo code locked on. That's free money right there. So basketball, baseball, 
postseason, of course, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, everything that you could think of, betonline.ag has got you covered. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and they're where the games start. I also want to tell you about rockauto.com, and I have been telling you about rockauto.com for a very long time, and uh, the most important thing to me when it comes to rockauto.com, and I believe for anyone who uses rockauto.com, is the fact that it's going to help save you a whole lot of money, 30%, 50%, sometimes 100% for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. You'll get that that cheap at rockauto.com. They're a family business, been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years, and they've got everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, carpet. If you need carpet for your car, they got it. I know so many people that use rockauto.com all the time for small stuff to big stuff. All the parts are delivered directly to their door. It's like a pizza, but it's not the pizza man. It's the rockauto.com delivery coming right to your door. You don't never have to leave the comforts of your own home only to go outside and fix up your car once you get those parts. The website's super easy to navigate through. Even I can figure it out. So check it out today, rockauto.com. Check out all the parts available for your car truck. There's a box that said, how'd you hear about us? You write in there, Locked On Raiders Podcast. That's how they know that we sent you and that we're doing our job. Great selection, great low prices. All the parts your car's ever going to need is at one spot. That's rockauto.com. Segment number three, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. We'll start off with a text from San Diego Raider. Yo, Q. The Raiders handled their business. Multiple players like Carr, Crosby, Moreau, Ingold, and Ngakwe showed their leadership roles. The defense really seems to come together after the opponent's first drive, and the offense found its rhythm as the game went on. Way to get into the bye week with the win. Time to rest up and get healthy. Don't get complacent, Raider Nation. We can still get better going into the bye. Time to strap them up and get ready for the rest of the way. Quick shout-out to my baby bro, Alex, and Uncle Dave, who made the drive out to the game early Sunday morning from San Diego. Raiders just win, baby, from San Diego Raider. And, yeah, you're right on all parts, man. Carr, Crosby, Moreau, Ingold, and Gakwe all playing major leadership roles on and off the field. They're doing a heck of a job. And uh, if you heard some of Rich Basaccia's media session from Monday, I don't think that they're going to get complacent at all. I don't think the team's going to allow themselves. And I'm not talking about the coaching staff. I'm talking about the players. I don't think they're going to allow themselves to get complacent. They know that the job is not done. That's what I really like about this team. You could tell this team has a certain hunger they have a certain chip on their shoulder that they're playing with and they're playing with a purpose so uh, those are all good signs for a team that is not going to get complacent now I know we've been down this road before they're five and two right now we remember six and two we remember six and three and we remember how that shook out uh, I just go ahead and say like Rich Basaccia says hey worried about one game at a time one week at a time not worried about last year or uh, years to come so uh, good stuff my man definitely appreciate you Next up, I got a call from Joe, formerly a KC, now in the ATL. He's calling to talk about the overall performance of the team and how they've been looking the last couple of weeks. Here he is, Joe, formerly a KC, now in the ATL. Yo, what up, Q? This is Joe, formerly a KC, currently an ATL, man. Just want to call in. Uh, we got we got the dub. Uh, I love the play calling that we're seeing from, uh, from Olsen, man. It's like, I don't want to call it night and day, but... It's just a lot better. I like the way the offense is flowing. I like the way that Derek Carr is playing. He looks a lot more comfortable. Um, just, just the team as a whole, man. We look a lot more complete. We look a lot more co- cohesive. I even would dare to say 
I think that the referees are kind of rocking with us a little bit more now that we don't have uh, Gruden out there chirping at him all the time. You know, I, I don't know if that's – I know we still – we probably have more penalties than the Eagles uh, today, but it just feels like, you know what, things are kind of going our way uh, in, in that in that area. Uh, last but certainly not least, man, I think we got a name for the defensive line, man. Johnson Vilma uh, calling the D-line a wolf pack. I think that fits us a hundred percent, man. I love it. Uh, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, the rest of the guys out there, man, that's the wolf pack, man. I love it. Raider Joe out, man. There he goes. That's Raider Joe right there. And I like that, man, the wolf pack. That's a cool name for the D-line, right? They are out there hunting like some hungry wolves. As far as the play calling, the whole style of how the team looks, it really is. It's night and day. And I don't know if the defenses are going to figure out Olsen within a couple games. I really don't. Uh, he has a week off, which is great because he can really come up with some stuff, design some stuff. But the team has looked a lot better so far without, without Gruden as the head coach. And I really think that's because everyone is now playing a role. Everyone's more involved where he's not micromanaging. It's all everyone is kind of uh, it's, it's a lot of delegation. Rich Passaccia is delegating a lot of work and a lot of uh, uh, responsibilities to other folks on the team and I think that they're embracing that. They really are and uh, a young team you might have to really micromanage but a team that has some good veterans and some really good veteran coaches uh, I, I think that you're starting to see the, the fruits of their labor right now uh, the way that they're playing so uh, thank you for that call my man. I do appreciate it. Next up, I got a text from Pastor Raider. What up, Q? Pastor Raider here. I've heard so much about the Raiders having an awful run defense, but I have a question. Is it possible that Gruden and Mayock were trying to build the defense like the old Indy defense when Peyton Manning was there? Strong pass rush, strong coverage. This kind of defense is built to play with the lead. Is it possible Gruden and Mayock had the foresight to know how explosive the offense would be and decided to put together a defense built to play with the lead? I don't know. It's just a thought. Love the show. Just win, baby. That's from Pastor Raider. And I'll say this. Uh, there's a lot of conversation, and, and we've talked about it, and I just mentioned it a minute ago about how the team is playing a lot more looser. Uh, they look a lot better uh, without Gruden, but you bring up a great point. Gruden and Mayock put this team together, so uh, anything that this team does, a lot of credit has to go to Gruden, and a lot of credit has to go to Mayock for putting this together. Don't just give one of those guys uh, you know, credit for the bad picks. Give those guys credit for both picks, the good and the bad. You know, If you're going to uh, hammer Gruden for some of the bad picks, you got to hammer Mayock. If you're going to give Mayock props for the good picks, you got to give Gruden. Not to mention the veterans that have been brought in. Not to mention some of the coaches that have been brought in, like Gus Bradley, Ron Milas, Richard Smith, even Greg Olson, who had uh, familiarity with Derek Carr going all the way back to his rookie year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they could have. The one thing about Gus Bradley is he's never been a guy that's defense has been something that really is worried about stopping the run. And when you have Unique Ngakwe and you have Max Crosby as your, your lead edge rushers, uh, you're not going to have guys that are going to be focused on the run all the time. That's where, in my opinion, Cleve Farrell was going to step up, but he hasn't really done too much either. So uh, you could be onto something like that. I, I don't want to speculate and say, yeah, that's exactly what they were thinking, but uh, it makes sense. So you could be onto something there. Thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Next up, I got a call from TC in the 408. He's calling to talk about the game, being at Allegiant Stadium, and what stood out to him that he didn't see as much on TV, but he saw it while he was at the game. Here he is, TC in the 408. What up, Q? This is TC. Uh, first time calling, but I figured it was my first time going to a Raiders game, seeing Allegiant Stadium, beautiful place. Couldn't be happier with the outcome of the, come of the game. Obviously, great win at home. Uh, one thing I want to point out that you really don't capture watching the game on TV that I felt like was going to be an issue for a lot of these games moving forward is just how many opposing fans there's been now two weeks in a row 
Bears, uh, Eagles. There was a ton of green out there. Thank goodness Eagles fans were booing their team by the end of things, but uh, it's not going to be easy every week. So Raiders fans, we're going to have to pack that bad boy out. You might be able to hear my voices out because I was cheering for the whole thing, man. A great win. Just win, baby. Dominating experience. Dominating team. We doing it, baby. How's it going? There he goes. That's TC in the 408. I do believe. Sound like you said TC. New booty caller. I definitely appreciate you. And yeah, man, the game was fantastic. A dominating performance by the Raiders. And now they're sitting at five and two. As far as the fans of the opposing team, look, they're going to be there. Fans want to go to Vegas. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Fans want to be in Las Vegas. Uh, but the way to make them a non-factor is do exactly what the Raiders did on Sunday. Have a dominating performance on the field. When you can do that, then you'll have your home field advantage. And, you know, I'll say this. Back in the day at Oakland Coliseum, there was never any colors of the other team. There was never any fans that were cheering for the other team. But let's not kid ourselves and act like towards the end there that no fans of the other team were showing up. Let's not act like there wasn't a ton of even Jaguar fans that last game in Oakland. I was there. Now, let's not act like there wasn't a whole lot of fans showing up to the Coliseum, very comfortable to wear their colors towards the end of the run of the Coliseum. Because there was. And if you're saying there wasn't, you're lying to yourself. I mean, it just it was not the intimidation factor that it used to be back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I used to go to the game. No joke. I went to one game, and there were so many fans that we had to park way across the 880. We had to park across there in some like uh, auxiliary parking lot or some overflow-style parking lot. And then we had to be bussed to the Coliseum. And when we did, there was a lady there that was in a Denver Bronco jersey. I'll never forget this. And I bet my mom remembers it like it was yesterday as well. There was a lady that got off the bus right in front of her, her and her man, and they both had Bronco jerseys on. And no joke, she started popping off and talking trash to a, a, a Raider fan. And this dude just knocked her out. And it was absolutely ridiculous. It was not okay. A lot of Raider fans went to her defense, but it was one of those like, hey, you're not going to come here in those kind of colors. And like I said, I never encourage anything like that. Never would. But at that point, back in the day, there was times when stuff like that would happen. Towards the end, it wasn't like that at all, which is a good thing. You don't want violence. But at the same time, you didn't want people there wearing other teams' colors. You liked it when there was a guy sitting behind you and they were just wearing some some polo shirt. Then you knew it was a fan of the other team, but they weren't letting it be known. You know what I'm saying? Like, So it wasn't like that towards the end. It really wasn't. I know there's plenty of people uh, that listen to this podcast that are longtime season ticket holders there in Oakland. They'll tell you that if they're being honest with themselves, they'll tell you the same thing. They were not intimidating like it was at the Coliseum where nobody showed up in their colors. Please believe they were showing up. So, yes, they're definitely going to show up in Vegas. But, again, if you want to have that dominating home field advantage, let the team go out there and ball out. The team goes out there and balls out. Raider Nation is going to be there loud and proud. Raider Nation is not going to want to sell their tickets. And, by the way, some of the people that bought season tickets to the Raiders in Las Vegas aren't Raider fans either. It's just a big investment. It's a big, you know, like, hey, we can get a lot of return on our money. This is a smart business move. In Las Vegas, it's about making money as well. That's just one of those things. I mean, so it's a scenario that you got to deal with. But uh, nobody in Vegas, and, and since I'm here, I, I know for a fact, none of us are going to be upset by other fans coming to the city because we want to see them there. We want to see them spend money. We want them to stay in the hotels. We also want them to fly back home wherever they're from, like Philadelphia, and be sad and be upset and be tired and be, you know, cranky because they lost that's what you want so hey you know if the team goes out there and balls out you ain't gonna have to worry about the fans getting loud like they did that Chicago game the Raiders played awful at that Bears game that's why the Chicago fans were so loud the Eagle fans were there but they didn't play well and so they got quiet 
and then they end up booing their own fans at the game. So that's that's all I really could say about that. I mean, it's it's uh, I would say it's unfortunate, but it's kind of the, the sign of the times. And if you look across stadiums across the country, uh, there's going to be fans of opposing teams almost at every one of them. You know, I was in Texas, and so I'd go to the Cowboys games. I'd see a lot of fans uh, of opposing teams at the Cowboys game. When the Raiders play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, guess who's going to be there? Raider Nation. There's going to be a ton of Raider Nation there. And that's just how it is, you know. And we all know that Raider Nation travels well. doesn't matter what stadium I've seen the Raiders play in. They're always represented well. So it's just it's a sign of the times. It's going to be what it's going to be. The Raiders can shut all that down by going out there and playing well. And it's as simple as that. So that's all I got for you for today's show. Definitely appreciate you. I know I went a little over my time, but, well, it won't be the last time I say that I went a little over my time. <laughs> it's not the first time. So uh, Raider Nation, appreciate you. Uh, continue to enjoy this bye week. Uh, hopefully the Raiders are getting healthy. Uh, we'll have more news and notes coming up on tomorrow's show. We'll have more topics. I, I mentioned I got a laundry list of topics that we'll talk about. And, of course, always want to hear from you. 707-654-4693. That's the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, stay Stay safe, take care of your family, love on your family, and most importantly, as always, just win, baby.